Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. More of your phone calls, best and worst of the weekend style, a little bit later this hour. First year and very successful App State head coach Eli Drinkwitz drops by. He beat the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. He beat the Gamecocks in Columbia on Saturday. First in Sunbelt history with two Power Five wins in the same season, making all the right kinds of history. Eli Drinkwitz live in 30 minutes. We're also celebrating Veterans, to Veterans Day today. We wish all of you who have served in the U.S. Armed Forces a great day. And, of course, we thank you for your service. As we bring in on all things National Football League and Carolina Panthers, coming out of a weekend that saw them put up a great fight but fall to the Packers in Green Bay, one of the things I want to ask Jim Zoki of the Panthers radio crew about is that military connection. I remember, Zoke, when Ron Rivera joined our show, he says he has mostly happy family memories for a lot of different reasons, but among his saddest childhood memories was watching his dad get repeatedly deployed uh, off into dangerous places overseas uh, in a military career that I believe was 30-plus years in the U.S. Army. It showed up on the TV broadcast this weekend. Uh, how would you put into words the way Ron Rivera has communicated that uh, respect for the military and even the Rivera family as a military family? Yeah, great words, DG. And, and he kind of encapsulated the big picture is that his dad was enlisted in the Army and uh, actually served two tours over in Vietnam. So uh, they, they were the, the typical uh, military family of being moved around, dad coming and going, being deployed. And uh, So as we hit November now and we're seeing all these salute to service games and ours will be the home game this week against Atlanta, uh, that is uh, definitely a strong connection for Ron Rivera. And for the Panthers. And as a side note, I had the opportunity last Monday to MC an event with Rocky Blyer. Oh, wow. In the, the event that's, uh, on, I think, on tomorrow night on ESPN, they're doing the full length on that. But uh, I watched the seven minute or so video of his return to Vietnam. And if anyone hasn't seen that, especially on Veterans Day, you know, take seven minutes and YouTube that and look up Rocky Blyer's return to Vietnam. I got a chance to talk to Rocky quite a bit last week, the former Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Great. Just, just a great story at this time of year, especially. Well, in the NFL, you have the Pat Tillman story, the Rocky Blyer story, and others. Uh, there's a lot of great former Major League Baseball stars who served our country in the military. Some boxers. I know Jackie Robinson of the baseball world was another example. I've, I've seen that Ron Rivera is a volunteer and ambassador with his wife, Stephanie, for the USO. And, of course, you know, with Camp Lejeune and Fort Bragg, et cetera, in our backyard, we are very much a military state. Uh, Ron's pretty cool about participating in the community in every way. We even see him at, like, Canes hockey games up here in Raleigh or a North Carolina Courage soccer match here in the Triangle as well. And I know he's, he's invested in the, the Queen City of Charlotte, too. What have you seen along those lines uh, as he's built this Panthers team over the last nine years? And they love the doggies. Uh, they're every year with the Humane Society. They're, they, they do calendars and other fundraisers for, for dogs and adoption and the Humane Society. And you mentioned the USO tours. He's traveled with other coaches uh, around the globe, along with Stephanie Rivera, his wife, uh, involved in a lot of those things. So they are very much uh, civic-minded, which is cool. You know, a lot of, it, 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 everyone's different. But, you know, some coaches are so intense, they're just all ball all the time, and they live in the office yeah. and that kind of thing. Ron and his family seem to have a nice balance of a sense of uh, – not only doing things in the community, but he's one of those coaches that at a press conference, you can ask when there's something kind of civic going on, when there's some kind of uh, police shooting or just whatever topic is coming up. You know, Ron will at least give you an honest human opinion, and uh, it doesn't really worry about 
and what that means as far as being a football coach, just kind of his, his own take on things. Jim Zoki joining us on the David Glenn Show, Panthers radio analyst on Twitter. He is at Jim Zoki. It was 24-16, Green Bay over Carolina, up at Lambeau Field. The Packers improved to 8-2. and two. The Panthers fall to 5-4. and four. I don't know if I'm just like a glass-half-full guy uh, or, or what. I know it's not good to lose and fall a little bit further from the NFC wildcard picture, but uh, give me an assessment of the pros and cons that you took away because I don't see any embarrassment in losing by eight at an eight and two Green Bay team without KK Short, without James Bradbury, without Cam Newton, without Greg Little, uh, and with a severely limited version of a guy like Brian Burns on the defensive line. Yes, I agree with you. I think there were a lot of positives to take from it. Of course, it's a competitive team, and they're on the outside looking into the NFC playoff race right now. So that's the big picture. That's most important. But further down that list is trying to figure out what you got a quarterback moving forward with Cam Newton on injured reserve. And I thought Kyle Allen took another big step forward yesterday to go over 300 yards in those conditions, made some big throws, and he knows the couple that he wants back, kind of like a, a good baseball pitcher like Justin Verlander yeah. giving up a couple big home runs here and there. So he knows he can learn uh, from those mistakes, that interception and the end zone being the key one there. But another you know, MVP-type day for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, beyond the loss, DG, as far as the negatives, the biggest thing is what's going on with our run defense. Yeah. It's, just, uh, it's really uh, amazing. It's six yards per carry yesterday. Uh, last week against Tennessee, it was about six yards per carry, and that was with the Titans forgetting about Derrick Henry in the first half of the game the last Sunday. And, of course, at San Fran the week before, 232 on the ground. So they've got to shore up whatever's going on in terms of just stopping the opponent's runs. And uh, until they do, other teams will keep running. We'll see. Devontae Freeman's a little dinged up. We'll see what his status is for Atlanta this week. But Panthers have just not been good at stopping the run. Well, remind us personnel-wise, K.K. Short has been on injured reserve. I know Vernon yep. Butler, another tackle, has been banged up. You know, how much of this could be scheming and just corrections in practice? And how much of this is a personnel matter that, you know, is going to be trickier to improve? I think personnel's good. I think, uh, you know, you, you start with Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson have been having overall good seasons in the middle, kind of a quiet day for both of them yesterday. But, uh, yeah, it begins up front. So you, you look at, you know, Don Terry Poe and, and Gerald McCoy. And, you know, we're getting after the quarterback pretty good on the season, obviously. We're leading the league in sacks getting into it. So are we, we're maybe too a little aggressive getting vertical to the quarterback. We're, we're getting gashed in that run game, and teams are kind of working around that aggressiveness of getting after the quarterback like, you know, Bruce Irvin has been so good at. So, Miss tackles. You know, I, you know, Eric Reed seems to miss a couple every game, and uh, so some of that stuff's got to be cleaned up. But it's the classic. You know, people are tired of hearing about you know run fits and being in your gaps and not trying to do two or three guys' jobs when they miss it. That domino effect. But it's true. It's very much a team concept when it comes to tackling the ball runner out there. I would have no idea what the norm is for how Christian McCaffrey sounds after either a victory or a defeat. I'm just not in those circles often enough to know. But Christian was described, of course, we all know he's one of the incredible highlights of this season, no matter how it ends up. He was described as, like, different than his usual self, you know, just sort of, like, desperate and down and and incredibly sad. He was there, you know, near the goal line with a chance to score a touchdown and put the Panthers within two. Were you, did you have access to him? Did you notice anything different along those lines? Yeah, as far as live, we're doing our post-game show up in the, in the booth with people joining us on headphones in the locker room. So not live, but to see it afterwards as he's talking, it's, uh, you know, not only was it a tough loss that came down to the half-yard line, it's the ball carrier, right? He feels like he's yeah. going to win 
even if somebody misses that block, he feels like he could still win a one-on-one matchup and pick up a half a yard to get into the end zone. So, you know, you think about what he did yesterday, 108 yards on 20 carries and a touchdown, caught six passes, but it all came down to a chance to tie the game. If you score that touchdown, get the two-point conversion out of that. So I know he's frustrated probably because of just that was it. That was the final play. They do a review, and then you live it a second time. when <laughs> They get the review that confirms the fact that he hadn't quite gotten into the end zone. McCaffrey's earlier touchdown drew the Panthers within eight points with about 12 minutes to go, and Ron Rivera sends out a play for a two-point conversion. I remember reading when David Tepper became the owner of the Panthers that one of the only cultural things that disappointed him was, you know, he's a hedge fund guy who uses analytics in all sorts of ways. He didn't think the Panthers used analytics enough. Uh, Tell us what you saw and what Ron Rivera said about that two-point conversion call because it just sounds like something that's coming down from the top rather than, you know, what the former Chicago Bears linebacker Ron Rivera may have been instinctive to, to do. He, uh, if I could sum up what his answer was to us in the post game into one word, it was analytics. Yeah. It was like, if you just said the word analytics and nothing else, that's what it came down to. As you know, they have these charts about when to go for two and so forth. I think they've extended that about, he thought in a situation of on the road, underdog against a veteran quarterback team like Green Bay on their turf, he didn't want to try to play for an eventual possible tie, two extra points, 14 points, and go to overtime. He wanted to try to win the game. And you can – I actually Googled it while I sit on the plane yesterday. You can look at it, the analytics of the last two years or so. That's the analytical thinking. Yeah. So there's football, there's analytics. The analytical thinking is go for two. If you miss it, you still got a chance to come back, get two, and still get that tie. But you give yourself a better chance to win by percentage. If you get that two up front, and then you can go for the extra point afterwards. It is kind of contrary to how you and I probably think. We were surprised, let's be honest. Uh, we looked at it going, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to win that game, give him a chance in regulation to win that game and not get two extra points eventually and go to overtime. But if you if you Google it and look it up, that's what the analytics say. If you're going to live and die by that stuff, it's kind of a pre-game mentality going in. If we get in that situation, this is how we'll do it. For those into such things, there I know is one, probably many, but one at 538.com, the analytics website that does a lot of sports stuff. It gets into the nitty-gritty of why you go for two when you're down eight in that kind of circumstance. Jim Zoki joining us from the Carolina Panthers broadcast team. All right, everybody has to look ahead in this sport no matter what happened last, and it's the Atlanta Falcons, except rather than the woeful, lowly Atlanta Falcons who couldn't seem to win any game, it's the Falcons who somehow just beat the Saints convincingly in New Orleans. Remind us what has gone wrong as the Falcons have stumbled uh, to a 2-7 and seven record, but what went right and what might make them dangerous as they head to Bank of America Stadium uh, this Saturday, this Sunday. Isn't that just how life goes? Yeah, yeah. Atlanta looked good. Like homecoming, like homecoming Sunday, and uh, we'll, we'll just uh, rack up a win here. And it's interesting in that game yesterday, Matt Ryan, only 182 yards in that game. Uh, but it was their defense. Their defense was, was what you would think would be the calling card of Coach Dan Quinn coming in from Seattle as defensive coordinator. That's been their biggest issue all year. They have to get about points in, in, in tons and bunches. And then what do they do? They go to the Superdome and hold Drew Brees to no touchdowns and nine points total for New Orleans, six quarterback sacks. So what they did yesterday was somehow crank up a defensive effort against New Orleans that uh, very few teams have been able to do over the past couple of years. It's got a pretty good rushing game. I think Devontae Freeman got dinged up, but Brian Hill came in and helped to carry the load.
load there too. So, uh, you know, again, we've said all year, they've got weapons. They've got Julio Jones. They've got Calvin Ridley. They've got Matt Ryan. Uh, they just don't protect him well. And they don't play good defensive ball. So if they somehow turn the corner, let's hope it's just for a week. And uh, if not, the Panthers will be in for a tough test coming up at home next Sunday. I purposely left this for last because it is, at this point, a back burner issue. But how would you summarize the future of the Carolina Panthers as it is intertwined with the future of Cam Newton? Because all these third-party sort of outsider reports suggest that, you know, that $19 million or whatever savings, if you trade or cut Cam Newton, can be used to give McCaffrey a new deal, can be used in other ways. And if you're in any way not sure what Cam Newton has left – uh, then that sounds like the way that people expect it to go. What do you think? I think uh, I think what we're, the chatter we hear everywhere is that the microwave mentality we live in is uh, I want it in 30 seconds, and that's the, the, the decisiveness of where he'll be. I've even seen what draft picks we're getting in return for. <laughs> it doesn't exist, right? So the reality is, living in the real world, is that they're going to keep evaluating Kyle Allen one to see is he thus the starting quarterback or just a candidate to be starting quarterback moving forward. He's making progress there, but only eight starts. And uh, with Cam, does he need surgery now? Is this something the reports are if he has surgery, he'll be ready by mid-March? Uh, is that something you do and move forward and make that decision then? Uh, you don't trade injured players. You don't get much value for that. So I think this all gets kicked. The can gets kicked down the road into the spring, and uh, they'll see if they, at that point, want to, bring him back for another year of his contract or make some kind of a deal. But I'll be honest with you, there's no way that's a final decision that's been yeah. made. It's just all the kind of stuff that's being evaluated and thought about right now. Yeah, there's no advantage to, to making that decision now, really. Uh, Jim Zoki on Twitter, at Jim Zoki, Carolina Panthers ra- radio analyst. As always, thanks for the knowledge. Appreciate you dropping by the David Glenn Show. Hi, David. Thank you. You got it. Eli Drinkwitz live in 15 minutes. The App State Mountaineers went to Chapel Hill and beat the Tar Heels head-to-head earlier this season. They just got a road victory over an SEC opponent as well, the first Sun Belt team ever to post two victories over Power 5 opponents in the same season. It was, I saw some of that one at South Carolina. The Mountaineers looked like the better team than the Gamecocks. Both were close on the scoreboard, Mountaineers over Tar Heels and Mountaineers over Gamecocks, but there was nothing flukish about either one. Coach Drink live in about 15 minutes as they try to build on a resume that has them well-positioned for another trip to the Sun Belt Championship game. Remember, they won three straight Sun Belt titles, including under the new format where there is a division champ versus division champ uh, title game at the end of the season. That's relatively new to the Sun Belt. But after three straight Sun Belt championships at the end of the Scott Satterfield era as he left for Louisville, the Mountaineers are well-positioned to kind of build on those two great Power 5 victories and maybe make it four in a row as the Sun Belt champs. Coach Drake, later this hour, more of your best and worst of the weekend on the other side. For those who didn't see it, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network did report this weekend that Cam Newton is seriously considering surgery on the foot. Remember, he went to Green Bay and got that specialist's advice and they said surgery was not recommended. Well, since Cam is now on injured reserve, since he is out for the rest of the regular season by rule, Raps, the at Rapsheet is his Twitter handle, uh, he reported that Cam is seriously considering foot surgery on that Liz Franck problem. 
And, of course, that would make him healthy by next spring. Does that mean he's going to be a Panther again? Does that mean they trade him or cut him for those big money savings? That's, again, a decision for a little bit down the road. Kevin in Burlington wants to be next on Best or Worst of the Weekend. We're celebrating a happy Veterans Day and thanking all who have served in the U.S. Armed Forces today with the occasional strolls down amnesia lane did you know that american boxing champions including joe lewis and rocky marciano represented our country in the u.s armed forces joe lewis for example never saw any kind of combat but he did enlist and was a big part of various overseas campaigns sometimes just to lift the spirits of the troops situated elsewhere around the globe. 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw in the sports universe and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? In college football, the Wolfpack, the Blue Devils, and the Demon Deacons all went down and went down hard. In the NFL, the Saints and the Bengals are among the worst of the weekend. The Hornets lost twice. The Canes got stomped up at Ottawa. Don Cherry, NHL commentator, same dude infamous for his bunch of jerks commentary toward the Canes in their storm surge last year. He stirred up this weekend some anti-immigrant sentiments north of the border on his national show in Canada. That was good enough for a worst of the weekend among some DG show listeners here in North Carolina. Denny Hamlin and others in the NASCAR world. Joe Gibbs racing as well. The Seattle Sounders won the MLS title. And did you know the great state of North Carolina was described by the MLS commissioner himself, Don Garber, as the front runner to lure MLS expansion franchise number 30. Those details with more of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. The Bears, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Vikings, and the Packers, NFL best of the weekend. LSU, Minnesota, Ohio State, Clemson, and Baylor, they're all still undefeated among the best of the weekend in the college football ranks. But the Hokies, the Mountaineers, even the Pirates and the 49ers getting some best of the weekend love as well. Are the Crimson Tide and the Nittany Lions first-time losers in college football over the weekend that was? Are they entirely out of the college football playoff picture? Our answer to that question with more of your calls next on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Eli Drinkwitz of App State joins us. A little bit later this hour, you can join us right now at 1-800-849-2761. What was your best or worst of the weekend? A lot of votes in the NFL, college football, college hoops, some NBA, some NASCAR, some soccer, and more. The one thing I promised on the MLS, the city of Charlotte was described by MLS Commissioner Don Garber this weekend as the frontrunner to become MLS franchise number 30. Now, that doesn't mean they'd be playing next year, but... Articles I saw said they expect an announcement within the next handful of months. MLS already has named five other expansion franchises due to start either next year, the following year, or even the year after that. So the timetable remains kind of TBA. 
but Charlotte mainly because of the mega billionaire status of David Tepper, the same guy who owns your Carolina Panthers, has rocketed to the top of this list. It's why I've gone from probably 20 years of saying I did not have a good vibe about our state luring an MLS franchise to when David Tepper made this a priority for him, hedge fund manager who left the company that made him that mega billionaire, Estimates range from he's worth 11 to $14 billion with a B. He's a mover and a shaker with the Panthers, given what he's building across the state line in terms of a new Panthers headquarters, in terms of he eventually wants you know a retractable roof stadium for the Panthers. His plan for the MLS is actually to just put that team in Bank of America Stadium. They would share it with the Carolina Panthers. Arthur Blank, the Atlanta Falcons owner, is doing exactly that. The Atlanta Falcons share their new arena with a team that has been incredibly successful attendance-wise as an expansion franchise in the MLS. You put together the mega money of David Tepper, which always impresses the MLS. The Raleigh bid, for example, simply does not have that mega billion dollar point man behind it. Great, hardworking people who are doing everything they can to get a downtown stadium built in Raleigh, but... Charlotte has rocketed to the top of this list in large part because of David Tepper and in part because he has convinced the MLS that Charlotte can be an MLS success story as an expansion franchise, even though it's not a soccer-specific stadium, more along the lines of what has been a proven success story in Atlanta. 1-800-849-2761. Do I believe that the Crimson Tide and the Nittany Lions are automatically and entirely out of the college football playoff picture? No. But I will say that they need help. Here's the reality as you look forward to tomorrow night's committee rankings. There is a chance, I, don't, I would not bet on this, but there is a chance that there are four Power Five undefeated conference champions. If you are a one-loss franchise and that happens, you're done. LSU could run the table and be the 13-0 SEC champion. Ohio State could run the table and be the 13-0 Big Ten champion. Of course, Minnesota technically could as well. I'm just not as optimistic about the Gophers as I am the Buckeyes. Clemson could run the table and be the 13-0 ACC champion. And remember, Baylor hasn't lost yet. Now, do I think all that's going to happen? No, I don't. Baylor still has to deal with Oklahoma and Texas and then a Big 12 title game. Do I think that Baylor's going to be 13-0 Big 12 champs? No, I do not. Do I think Minnesota's a realistic candidate to be 13-0 in the Big Ten champs? No, I do not. They've got to go to Iowa next. They've got to deal with 7-2 Wisconsin. And then they would have to deal with Ohio State if it came to that in the Big Ten title game. So you're still relevant if you are a one-loss resume. Just remember, whether you're 8-1 Penn State coming off your Minnesota loss or 8-1 Alabama coming off your home loss to LSU or 8-1 Oregon or 8-1 Utah from Pac-12 country or even 8-1 Georgia, yes, you're still in the mix. Yes, everybody I just mentioned is probably going to be in the top 10 of tomorrow night's committee rankings. Yes, you're in the mix, but there are really only five schools that know with absolute certainty that we're in if we win out. And it's the five schools that have unbeaten resumes. Could I paint likely pictures for others that have one loss resumes? Yes, I could. But that's when you take a stroll down speculation lane. I don't believe you're speculating at all. If you tell those five schools you, you win out, you're in the final four period. Eli Drinkwitz has been winning a lot. His Mountaineers are poised to 
win their fourth straight Sun Belt championship. And just this weekend, they became the first Sun Belt team ever with two Power Five victories in the same season. Earlier this year, they went to Chapel Hill and knocked off the Tar Heels of the ACC. Saturday, they went to Columbia and knocked off the Gamecocks of the SEC. Eli Drinkwitz, the first-year App State head coach after great success at places like Boise State and NC State as a coordinator. Coach Drink joins us live next on the David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? How does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I I hope it's not awkward. (laughs) Um, You know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him, no hands. I think he's a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Our next guest has put his signature on a special season in the history of App State football. No Sun Belt team ever had posted two wins over Power 5 opponents in the same season. Now the Mountaineers of Coach Eli Drinkwitz have gone to Chapel Hill and beat the Tar Heels. That one was back in September. On Saturday, they went to Columbia and beat the Gamecocks. They are positioned to make another run to the Sun Belt Championship game, and then they have taken out ACC and SEC opponents. Eli Drinkwitz, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you pulling this off? Aren't they getting, like, bigger, more famous recruits than y'all get in Boone? Uh, How are you this mighty underdog who collect big paychecks for these road games and yet somehow come back with a victory as well? Let's put it in perspective. Coach Muschamp's salary is more than my enti- my or my entire assistant salary wow. pool. In fact, it's probably bigger than my football budget. Um, what what they spend on football is, enti- is more than what our entire athletic department spends wow. on all of our student athletes. So, um, you know, we can talk about blue chip recruits and we can talk about all that all we want, but the reality of it is, they had a lot of advantage go- going into the game. But what they didn't have the advantage of is uh, our our team. Um, you know, we, we got some really good individual players, and I'm not going uh, neg- to you know, neglect that fact. Akeem Davis Gaithers is as good a defensive player as I've been around. I've been around some really special guys. Um, Darrington Evans is an elite running back. Um, but our team plays together, and, and they weren't scared of the moment. Just like when we went to Chapel Hill, they knew they belonged. And when you, you, know, when you believe that you belong, anything can happen. I know, Coach, you've told us many times, control what you can control. Try to block out the noise and the stuff that you cannot control. Am I exaggerating, (laughs) though, to say that essentially everything went right this week? Because you not only beat the Gamecocks, which is the most important thing and within your control, you had some (laughs) others in your division lose. You're back in the driver's seat for the Sunbelt title game. I mean, holy cow, that must have been – I don't know how much the guys pay attention to the other stuff, but that must have been a heck of a trip home from Columbia. It was a great weekend for the Mountaineers. I mean, yeah, when, when you win and, and some other teams in your side of the division lose, and then, you know, we got uh, a couple of the Gibbs boys on our on our team, and, and Denny Hamlin won the race, and now they got three of the nice. four uh, drivers in NASCAR in the in the Cup race next Sunday. And we're all big big fans of uh, Coach Gibbs Racing. So, yeah, it was a great weekend for us, not only football, but for pretty much anybody we cheer for, too. So, uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. It's always a great day to be a Mountaineer, but it was especially good Saturday. I know your AD, Doug Gillen, is the guy who ends up having to negotiate terms, uh, but a serious question to you is, when you beat the Tar Heels and you beat the Gamecocks, mm-hmm. does it actually complicate your ability to sign future games against other 
Power Five opponents, because you know what's supposed to happen is they pay you $900,000 and they beat you. That's how it's supposed to happen, and you, you're kind of uh, upsetting the script. Yeah, I don't have any idea. I just play whoever <laughs> you know will schedule a play, uh, and I don't I don't get involved too much in in um, in those deals. I, I do wish though. Um, I think I understand for those two programs, it's problematic that we beat them. But those atmospheres, those environments, you know, again, I've made this comparison before. When you go to uh, play home games and it's against somebody from the MAC or somebody from uh, the, the Mountain West, instead of having an in-state opponent come and where you get a great environment yeah. and, uh, you know, opportunity to play, I, I think that's what's good for college football. And we have all these scheduling debates and who we should play and who we shouldn't play. I promise you, man, in this state, in this area, if you play App State, you're going to get a competitive football game going to get a great environment people are going to stay for four quarters and uh you know that that that's what it's about right We're, we want to see competition uh, i'm with you man we created the big tailgate tour with our statewide show and i've been to kid brewer when miami's hurricanes were there uh when wake yeah. forest was there obviously you have your great rivalries within your conference as well but i am in favor of, of what you just described as a neutral observer i think it's just kind of win-win yeah. for everybody hey, I, I, uh, I, did send, I did send i didn't send a doug a text after the game and said uh, i imagine that UNC and South Carolina probably won't make return trips to Kid Brewer, but uh, we'll see. Hey, Ted Roof was a guy on your staff, somebody that we've known for a long time, a former Duke head coach, of course, and and a coordinator at a lot of places. Uh, He took some fire early this season when y'all gave up more points, and now it's what? Four of the last five opponents have scored 15 points or fewer, including the, the Gamecocks of the SEC. What has he done right? What have those players you mentioned done, done right? Because that seems to be a pretty dramatic improvement within a single season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't say enough positive things about Ted Roof, his leadership, his ability to rally a group, his ability to uh, bring five, four new coaches in, teach them a scheme, and translate that scheme to a, whole, to a defensive side of the ball, get those guys to play together. You know, the problem with college football right now and with society in general is everybody wants instant oatmeal. They want to click on social media and refresh and see all these new posts instead of understanding that anything worthwhile takes time to build. And you're not always going to walk out the first time and get it right. I mean, the first time you go play golf, you're not going to go shoot a 68. Yeah. You know, you got to you got to get into a rhythm. You got to get in a routine. You got to get to know each other. And uh, what you're seeing is the ability for a, a person to lead and communicate and to get everybody on the same page. And he's an incredible football coach. We're very fortunate to have him at, at Appalachian State. We're very fortunate to have him in Boone, North Carolina, and we're just enjoying it however long we can keep him. Uh, but a guy who's, I mean, he's, he's won a national championship as a coordinator, been a head coach. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing to have that kind of experience at this level. Eli Drinkwitz is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He's in his first year at App State after great uh, times at NC State and Boise State, among others, as a coordinator. He's on Twitter, at Coach Drinkwitz. His Mountaineers are 8-1, and 4-1 and one in Sunbelt play as they head to Georgia State this Saturday where they want and need to keep things rolling. Coach, for a while, there was a dream of y'all in a New Year's Day Bowl. Uh, is that mm-hmm. in the conversation at all, or are you just thinking more in terms of beating Georgia State on Saturday and hopefully winning what would be a fourth straight Sun Belt title? The only people who have had conversations about New Year's Day Bowls are fans and media. Uh, this program is worried about being 1-0. and 
and that's it. We're we're trying to win this week. And if we can win this week, then that puts us in a position for next week's senior day to be a very uh, important game for us. Our goal is to win the Sunbelt Conference uh, Championship in a bowl game with class, integrity, and academic excellence. The only way you're going to be able to win the Sunbelt Conference Championship is to win your division. We have a division opponent Saturday, a very good division opponent uh, that's 6-3, uh, and three, uh, got an outstanding offense, an outstanding defense, coached by Sean Elliott, who does a great job. So they've got our entire focus. Uh, we're not worried about all those other things you can't control. The reality of it is nobody knows who's going to play in that New Year's Day bowl game for the group of five because it's the highest-ranked conference champion. So you got to win your conference to even be in that conversation. So last time I checked, ain't nobody even secured a spot in their conference championship games in the group of five. So all those things are, are, again, it goes back to trying to flip through Twitter and get you know a like or a projection or, or read tarot cards and all that good stuff. I mean, crud. We're just trying to beat Georgia State on Saturday, and we got our stinking hands full. I know that. In the hot clicks world as we speak, Coach, and you're going to love this one, there are Arkansas Great. fans who want to hire you for their SEC vacancy. Uh, rather than asking you to speculate in any way as your focus is on Georgia State, what do you say to App State fans as given your success? Of course they're going to see your name thrown around legitimately or illegitimately on the coaching carousel. Man, I would tell the App State fans the same thing I tell our football team. Let's focus on trying to be 1-0 this week. And and everybody's out there in a fantasy world trying to predict the future. I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. Um, Let's try to be 1-0 this week. I know that we've got a great program here. I'm extremely happy to be here. I know my family's happy to be here. And uh, we got a great thing going. Uh, We've got 13 seniors who have done a lot for this program. We've got a whole lot of juniors. And we've got an opportunity to build this thing and be good for a long time. And, you know, when I had the opportunity to become a head coach, for me it was about building and sustaining a championship-level uh, program. And I'm excited about what we're doing here at App State. And I don't get on the Internet. I don't get on uh, social media. I don't worry about all the hypotheticals that are out there. I mean, last time I checked, John Gruden was going to Tennessee. How'd that work out for everybody? So let's just all stay in the moment. Let's try to beat Georgia State. And let's put all of our focus and energy on that, and then we'll go from there. It was 11 months ago, roughly, when you got this great head coaching opportunity. What do you and your family know and love even more now about App State or Boone or Kid Brewer uh, or leading the Mountaineers, uh, even compared to whatever you already knew on day one when you were introduced? You know, when you take over a job, um, people are your most powerful resource. And I had no idea what kind of great people that I was going to be associated with on a daily basis, not only from the team, but from a staff, um, from the athletic department, from our, from our university professors, chancellors, the community, the boosters. Um, There's tremendous people here in Boone and with Appalachian State. And I love our team, our seniors, um, the way they have embraced what we're trying to do and the changes, albeit subtle, the ones that we made, um, the way that they've just embraced it and said, this is who we are, this is what we're going to do, and we're all about it. Um, And even in the face of adversity, losing last week, they stayed the course. Nobody oh, threw their hands up in the air or anything. They just said, let's keep working. We believe in what we're doing. And uh, that's what we got to do this week. No different than when you win or lose. you got to go back to the drawing board and start over and, and try to keep moving forward. 
Last thing for you, Coach. If I made a list just as somebody who only watched on TV, we know your quarterback well, Zach Thomas. He was good again. Uh, I thought those clutch field goals by your guy Chandler Staten were yeah. huge, yeah. 40, 40 or plus yards. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. a pick six doesn't hurt. So Nicholas Ross, let's give yeah. him a, a shout out. And you've mentioned a few others. Um, who, who else should be thrown in here now that you have uh, two wins over Power Five opponents in the same season? Akeem Davis, Jordan Fair, both uh, inside and outside linebackers are tremendous players, both seniors. Demetrius Taylor, defensive end, yeah. um, who, who gives North Carolina players nightmares. Um, you know, on, on the in the secondary, Josh Thomas has been playing safety for a long time. On the offensive side of the ball, you know, our offensive line, all five of them play really solid yeah. football. Uh, Corey Sutton is an elite player at yeah. the wide receiver position. And then Darrington Evans, our wide receiver, our, our running back, um, is a guy that's going to play in the league. There's there's no, really no doubt about that. He's got elite speed, vision, quickness, and power, and uh, he, he's a really special player. Um, so we've got a great group of, group of guys, um, and, and, and even more than just those players, there's there's just so many glue guys on this football team that just hold the team together, um, that that play for each other, and they 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 love the football team. Uh, they love football. And, uh, you know, the thing about us right now is it's all about the team, the team, the team. You know, we're not getting a ton of accolades. I mean, we go beat uh, SEC opponent. We don't get a single Sunbelt player of the week on either offense, mm. defense, or special teams. You know what I say? So what? Who cares, man? You know what? It, we won, and at the end of the day, nobody's going to ever take that away from us. Well, I'll tell you what, man. On my statewide show, the Panthers lost in the NFL. The Wolfpack lost to Clemson. Blue Devils lost to Notre Dame. Wake lost at Virginia Tech. Uh, man, I'm just scrambling for a fun story to tell. So whatever tiny prize that might be, you guys uh, with your Mountaineers were a best of the weekend on our statewide show. I don't think that comes well, with a blue ribbon or his trophy, Coach, so I apologize for that. Well, I tell you what, why don't you get up here and come watch us play versus Texas State on senior day, man. I'll that take care of you. That's, that sounds great, man. Thanks for visiting us on the David Glenn Show, and really congratulations on what has been uh, an amazing, sensational season so far. Thank you very much. You have a great week. Uh, rest of your week. Eight and one, the Mountaineers, after beating the Gamecocks in Columbia and the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. 20 to 15 was the final over the Gamecocks. They just grounded out, man. I watched a lot of that game. The Gamecocks were not moving the ball with any consistency. They have one star player at South Carolina named Brian Edwards. I actually felt bad for the kid as, as, as much as I felt great for the Mountaineers. Everything South Carolina tried to do was through that guy. And, of course, the Mountaineers were smart enough to know that and defend that way under Ted Roof. The Gamecocks, they're not going bowling, remember. They, at four and six, what do you have to do to get to a bowl if you're South Carolina? You'd have to beat Texas A&M and the Clemson Tigers back-to-back. Good luck with that. So it's going to be a non-bowl Gamecocks team. We'll see if it's a non-bowl Tar Heel team that App State beat earlier in the season. But they made history nevertheless. First Sun Belt team ever with two Power 5 wins in the same season. The same school that uh, more than a decade ago brought us the unforgettable road victory over Michigan at the Big House. One of the greatest upsets in college football history. Mountaineers over Wolverines. They just gave us a new type of history as they are on track for a fourth straight Sun Belt championship. But as Coach said, got to go 1-0 this week. That means winning at Georgia State, which is in your division, the, uh, this, the, that half of the Sun Belt bracket. 
App State likely a rematch with Louisiana if it comes to that later this year. They're two outstanding programs in that league. 1-800-849-2761. More of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls. More of the other big headlines from the weekend that was. Major League Soccer coming to North Carolina. It has never looked more likely than out of the mouth of the MLS commissioner Don Garber this weekend. And there's an extremely interesting story in the NCAA ranks as Ohio State holds out its superstar football player and future high NFL draft pick Chase Young over eligibility issues. That's what most schools do when there's any kind of controversy about a player's amateur status or if a suspension is coming, how long might it be? Memphis went the other route with their star big man James Wiseman, who's expected to be a high NBA first-round pick in all likelihood this coming year. As it turns out, the Wiseman family took a bunch of money from the guy who's now the head coach at Memphis, Penny Hardaway, but rather than deferring to the NCAA about any upcoming suspension, the Wiseman family went to court, got a temporary restraining order, and threw James Wiseman onto the court in a Memphis uniform this weekend, defying the NCAA in a way that you don't see all that often. More on that crazy story with more of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls. We're also celebrating Veterans Day with Pat Tillman, Jackie Robinson, Joe DiMaggio, and other athletes who have served our country over the years in the armed forces. You can be next with your question, comment, or best or worst of the weekend, 1-800-849-2761. The Panthers, the Hurricanes, and the Hornets all lost this weekend, but... The Mountaineers, the Hokies, and others, led by LSU and Minnesota, got big, big wins. You can be next with your nominee, 1-800-849-2761, on The David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Last year, 2 chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, 2 chains." And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. <laughs> Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. As we come back to your calls to start hour number three, what was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? More from you and me on the NFL, college football, college basketball weekend that was. The new AP polls are out, by the way. Duke and Louisville and Carolina and UVA represent the ACC in that basketball AP top ten. More on the football side of things. And for those telling me that Penn State and Alabama are automatically, positively, no doubt about it, out of it after their losses to Minnesota and LSU, I don't think so, folks. Do they need help? Yes, they do in all likelihood. Just remember, we almost always end up dissecting one-loss resumes. If you're not a conference champion and you have a one-loss resume, it does get trickier. But it's too early to say we're down to the last half dozen teams for the college football playoff. More on that story with more of your calls next. The head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody in another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. 